the British Wrestling Experience with Martin, Ollie and Benno. Wrestling.com. I'm your host Martin Bushby and joining me are Ollie Court and Benno. So how's it going with you guys this week? I mean Benno you went to four shows last weekend. You were all recovered from your uh, weekend of booze and wrestling in the northwest. Oh, I'm exhausted. It was an incredible <laughs> weekend but yeah it definitely takes its toll once you go into your 30s. Ollie you've got that to look forward to mate. Oh yeah. But <laughs> um, <laughs> I booked um, a flight for WXW this week so that's coming up so yeah. Oh, not, yeah. Uh, not stepping off the gas anytime soon. <laughs> So I've taken a bit of a break from wrestling for the past week or so. It's been a wall-to-wall Winter Olympics. And uh, I always find whenever any kind of Olympics is on that I become addicted to sports, I usually <laughs> have no interest in it all, like curling. I was watching Team GB's curling today. I didn't realize uh, British people were so good at this. I mean, I, I don't even know where you'd go to learn curling. I mean, Ollie was curling part of your uh, physical education at school or anything. <laughs> I don't think I've ever done curling in my entire life. I don't know how you would particularly get into it, but yeah, it's quite cool. It, it, that's a sport that I could actually do. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I mean, watching watching all these sports. And uh, obviously, I won't be following curling after the Winter Olympics has finished. But, uh, no. <laughs> anyway, follow Joe Hendry, though. Yeah. <laughs> on to uh, British wrestling, which is what we're here to talk about. I mean, tons of stuff's happened since uh, we last spoke uh, to you guys on the show. So let's dive right into it. Um over the Top Wrestling, the Irish promotion held their first major show of the year on the 3rd of February, entitled Homecoming. And um, it seemed like they were trying out a new venue for this show, uh, the Arena on Sir Road in Dublin. And uh, the new venue kind of reminded me of the Starworks Warehouse that Fight Club Pro use. I mean, the usual venue of the Tivoli has been knocked down later this year. And uh, I mean, Benno, what did you think of this new, new venue for OTT? Yeah, it's unfortunate that the Tivoli's going because, I mean, I know there was rumour of it last year and now it looks like it really is happening because it added so much to the presentation. And this new venue, yeah, I, I wasn't so fussed on it. I'd heard live reports of people saying in the building itself there was more space. They felt like, you know, it didn't harm the atmosphere in any way. So people live that I've spoke to at least seem to enjoy it. But I don't think it translated very well over to mm. the VOD. I wonder whether a lot of that is lighting um, and things that you can improve as things go on. But yeah, the, the Tivoli was a, a big part of the um, personality of OTT. So I think it will be missed if uh, they can't do at least one uh, farewell show there before the end of the year. Yeah, I think they have got a couple lined up there. I don't think it's due to be demolished uh, till later in the year. But yeah, interesting that they're uh, looking for new venues because obviously they can't be running that big arena. They run for the bigger shows all the time, can they? So, uh, But anyway, moving on to the card. I mean, OTT do stack cards as always. I mean, we've become used to this, haven't we? I mean, there were a number of highlights from this show. But um, the main one that... Uh, you know, really stood out to me watching this was uh, Keith Lee against Spy- Speedball Mike Bailey. I mean, obviously, Bailey's Canadian, but he's got some sort of uh, work visa issues in the USA, so he's become quite the regular in the UK and Europe, and he's been having some stellar matches uh, last year and this year, and this one uh, against Keith Lee was no different, was it, Ollie? Oh, yeah, this was <laughs> such a fun match, my favourite match on the show. And as you say, Bailey is quite the world traveller right now. He's... Um, He's excluded from America, so he's been forced to sort of find new avenues to have great matches in. And I think he might be the only person in the entire world uh, to have had three excellent matches in three different countries that aren't either the UK or America, which is really impressive. Like he in Germany, he had a great match against Bad Bones, and he'll be at 16 Carat too. Not sure if he'll be in the tournament yet or not, but we'll see. Um, and in Japan, he crushed the, the DDT Grand Prix um loads of great matches there and always put in the effort for all of his matches there and now here in ireland as well he's crushing it in ott and this one was kind of like the the ott ott are developing their young irish talent a lot better now but they, they do still like to put on the import versus import you know the killer match stuff and who can blame them when it produces stuff like this like <laughs> the, the ending spot of bailey missing his his knees from the top and keith lee just dumping him with like that Goldberg um, jackhammer type move <laughs> it just left me with a big grin on my face and just like the, the power on display was incredible and 
Bailey, he he just puts in the greatest effort for all of his matches. He he has the best, like I, I don't I want to say work rate in the smarky way, but like he just mm. like he puts in more effort per great match than anybody else, <laughs> other than maybe Will Osprey. Um, yeah, his, his output is incredible right now. He's just, I think he was a big part of why this match was so good. There's just how good a, an underdog babyface he can be. Um, it, it just felt like an all-time performance from him. Ollie mentioned the finishing sequence. Uh, that The match itself, though, was kind of built like that. It was like, it felt like more of a traditional kind of uh, heat and hope spot kind of match where it, it was just the Keith Lee being the big guy throwing mm-hmm. Mike Bailey around and in, continuously trying to come back. Um, but it was almost like Keith Lee was refusing to register Bailey's offense at times, and but Bailey just kept coming through and pushing and pushing, and they just they, they made the the size difference work for them. Even like every every kick out that Keith Lee did in the match, it was like extra. It was like he was pushing Speedball almost halfway across the ring every time he, he'd try and go for something, and then he'd he'd catch him again, whether it be a ridiculous spine bust or a ridiculous pounce that it that Keith Lee does in the core and it was just yeah. a great story that they told there as well it was like it was just something it, it was the best of both men really both of them in their in their best possible role um but yeah speedball was kind of the one that the shine for me here like Holly said he's just had an, an incredible last year and it's just great that we're getting to see him so much uh over in, in Ireland and, and in uh, Britain yeah I did really like the sort of like David V. Goliath storyline. I think Bailey, you know, as much as he's good against uh, people of a similar height and build like Will Ospreay, like he was uh, for the What Culture World Cup last year, I thought um, he really, really excelled in this, you know, against this big monster, mm. uh, Keith Lee. So, yeah, it was... Um, and like, you, you know, there, Benno and Ollie, it's great to, you know, as much as I'm sure Bailey would like to be working in the US a lot more regularly, it's great that we're, we get him over on our shows, uh, I mean, all these incredible matches, so... Long may that continue. And, uh, yeah, moving on to uh, another highlight of the card was uh, Zack Sabre Jr. against Travis Banks. I mean, this was uh, another great match. I I like... There was obviously no story going into this one, but I like the story they told within the match. It was sort of like they were matching each other strike for strike and submission for submission. It was like, you know, it it was like they couldn't... uh, Either one of them couldn't get the better of each other, Ollie. Yeah, I wasn't as much into this one as I was into Lee Bailey and another match we're going to be talking about a little later. But again, like even at eighty percent or also like effort, these guys just are putting in great performances every time out. And for the Irish cars who don't get to see him as often, uh, it's still a real treat. And also, like um, an underrated story um, about Zack Sabre Junior. It seems to be that he's taking a lot more bookings in Britain and obviously Ireland too in OTT um than he has been before so i'm I'm wondering whether you know he's being slowly well not phased out of japan but just taking less bookings in new japan and instead focusing more in britain right now um because he doesn't actually live in britain he lives in america but it's he's over here for a while he's he's had his name booked for a lot of shows coming up in march and and the rest of february so it's interesting to see saber jr over here a lot more now that you say it, I was just thinking then, I can't remember the last show, at least in the last few weeks, where Zack Sabre's not been on it and hasn't yeah. been part of potentially the best match on every show. <laughs> um, I mean, this one, it, it was easy on any other card. I could have seen it being match of the night. Maybe I didn't love it quite as, as much as you, Martin, but I thought it was great. It just maybe got dwarfed a little bit in the memory by by things that, that came after it. It was supposed to be Tyler Bate, wasn't it, in this match? Um, yeah. Before. <laughs> sneaky progress stole the match <laughs> a week later <laughs> yeah i was about to say because i was at the the progress show that this weekend in it last weekend in manchester and there it was a similar match really it was more it's kind of like a, a shoot style of, of pro wrestling kind of yeah. similar to what they do in tetsujin and it was this is kind of what zach saber's been doing a lot lately this more aggressive realistic style and yeah it and kind of worked out that we got to see travis banks do it and uh, tyler bate do it in progress as well and part of that realistic style is him finishing the match with different holds every yeah. time, which is, is anything really awesome. Anything could be a finish. Absolutely yeah. anything with Zack Sabre. It, was, it wasn't like a weird elevated crab in this. He just kind of yeah. got on it. Just It can be anything, though. Any moment, the match can end. And he, he's really building that up. Because that's the other thing. As much as I've seen a lot of him late, lately, I haven't seen him lose a lot either. He seems to, to win a lot of his matches. So yeah, he's getting a strong push in, in a lot of our big promotions at the moment. It's funny there you mentioned about any move could be a finish for him. And it is funny 
trying to hear the commentary, not just here, but everywhere else, trying to sort oh, he's got him in this, yeah, this submission. <laughs> yeah. It's just hard for them to try and keep up with all these uh, different sort of like submissions um, he comes out with. And uh, yeah, moving on to uh, Jordan Devlin, who uh, we've discussed before on this show, he's criminally underused in Britain. I mean, he's been having show-stealing matches all the time in his home promotion of OTT all through last year, and uh, and this one was no different. I mean, it didn't quite steal the show, but um, him taking on Timothy Thatcher was a really hard-hitting contest, as you expect from uh, Timothy, with Timothy Thatcher involved, Ollie. Yeah, this was a really gritty affair, um, and sort of brought up the best in Thatcher, I thought. Um, he got to be a, a stern test for Devlin, um, and the crowd really rallied behind Devlin, but he's, you know, he's still got that cockiness. He hasn't you know, suddenly become a, a good guy and just, you know, kissing babies and shaking hands all the time. <laughs> like, he's he's still got heelish tendencies, but because he is, you know, Irish and, and the, the Irish champion, and I thought there was a really, really excellent moment post-match, which I'll get to in a minute. Um, but, yeah, the, the crowd really rallied behind him helped him fight through Thatcher and I thought it was it was a great atmosphere and a, a good story they told there and like I say in the post-match I thought an excellent bit of uh, marketing or branding or however you want to call it but they dumped the No Limits weight title which you know it sounds a bit weird and a bit indie and with Devlin making his first defense the Irish champion making his first defense the first show of the year and they give him the brand new OTT heavyweight championship and it just feels like a new era for OTT. They had, you know, they had some difficulties in 2017, some growing pains going into the national stadium and having problems with that and sort of over-focusing on the elite rather than their own talent for those shows. I thought this was a great way to just reset things, soft, a soft reset, and put Devlin and, like, the brand name on him. It, it, it was a very symbolic gesture, um, and he's now going to serve as their ace. Yeah, he's absolutely the right man for that as well, isn't he? He's just this is the like you've just touched on there. This is the direction of I'd love to see OTT continue to go in, and they're doing things right by getting behind Devlin. He just even on his entrance, he just comes out as comes across as like the biggest star Definitely. in the building in this setting. And yeah, matches like this will will help. Uh, I did think as a match, I think it, it was hurt a little bit by coming. I know the Keith Lee match was right before intermission, but I felt like although it was worked differently, it had a, a similar again structure in that Thatcher was kind of dominating a lot of the match. It was almost like I thought at points Thatcher was playing uh, Volta, kind of laughing off Devlin's chops just in a maybe more submission-based uh, way. Um, but he kind of, was, that was kind of the story of the match, him smothering Devlin and, and forcing Devlin to come back with all his big high impact stuff um but yeah i think it really worked as a match and like, yeah, like ollie said a good way to get devlin over if not quite as as spectacular as the match that came before it but again this was such a stacked show that if you put this anywhere else again we might have been talking about it as match of the night i mean we just noted there that obviously this was a stacked show and we were having great match after great match but uh, the crowd didn't seem to taper anywhere near did they as they would normally as you would expect when there's a you know great match after great match that uh, people might start you know, losing that energy, but I, I felt like uh, the crowd kept their energy throughout this entire Definitely. show. And uh, moving on to the main event, I mean, this was a six-man tag cage match. It was the Rapture, Charlie Sterling, Shaw Samuel, and Zach Gibson against the Kings of the North. And um, this cage was absolutely massive, wasn't it? It was more like <laughs> a, a, a hell in a cell rather than a, a regular cage. And I mean, I mean, this match was certainly not the best technical wrestling match on the show. But I mean, there were some insane bumps in this one to uh, the members of the Kings of the North diving from the top of the cage and. Uh, I mean, it was interesting, I thought, the uh, finish because the Kings of the North have held the uh, tag belts for a while now and uh, the Rapture picked up the victory and uh, the tag titles and uh, definitely not the end of this feud, I don't think, Holly, but nice to see them uh, moving the Kings of the North to the uh, to the main match on the show. Definitely, yeah. The Kings have been definitely one of their star acts um, over the past year. They had that incredible entrance at the National Stadium show um, and people are kind of taking to them. They haven't really broken out anywhere else on the British Isles, but uh, certainly on OTT, people really do like them, and they do have great characters there. Um, yeah, this feud's sort of been bubbling under a little bit, but they gave it the main event spot, and I, I even though, you know, like you say, it wasn't really a match, it was really more of a, just kind of a brawl, and, you know, <laughs> for better or for worse, it, it was fun at least, and the cage <laughs> certainly did look impressive. It wasn't bockety at all like any uh, other indies. <laughs> they reinforced that thing. 
Um, and yeah, it, it was kind of, um, you know, it, it was a, a nice offset to, you know, the three, you know, dream matches they'd had before that to have a bit more of a, uh, a, a grimy uh, team taking on the, the baby faces and them getting back at it. Um, yeah, certainly not a star ratings match, but yeah, a fun story. And you certainly hated Samuels, Gibson and Sterling by the end of it. Um, and yeah, it, eventually Kings will get their win back and they'll be better off for it, I think. Yeah, I think trying to rate this like uh, any other matches, it's uh, it's a fool's errand, I think, because it was it was wasn't it? It was like more of yeah. a. It felt like a real brawl when both teams came yeah. out and like you said, I did that. like they didn't start the match until about fifteen <laughs> minutes into the brawl, because <laughs> that was when everyone was in the ring. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of like they did that because obviously once you're in the cage, you kind of can find. Although there was, was a lot of in and out, I did think. Maybe one. Ne- I mean, you've touched on a lot of the positives there, but maybe one negative. I say is they got a, a little bit too creative with that stuff. There was a a point, wasn't there, where the door was open and Sterling kind of just climbed over it and superplexed one of the kings of the north yeah. instead of just jumping out and winning the match for his team. Um, so it got a little bit silly there. And I think there was a point as well where they, I think they tried to lock the door and it and it wouldn't really lock. Um, so the the story of of uh, Gibson and Shaw Samuels on the outside not being able to get in was a little bit lost there. Uh, I thought, but it was a good way of giving. I suppose the, the heels the win there, having them drag Sterling out of the cage eventually and cheat to get out. And like you've, you've both said, I think this obviously isn't the end here and there's there's more value uh, in continuing on this feud. Um, sometimes I don't like when a, you know something like a tag belt is, is going in, in a six-man match, but this felt like proper important blow-off stuff. So yeah, I definitely let it go here and there was enough, enough big moments in there, like you mentioned, Martin, with the, the huge dives off the cage and, and just some, some great violence in there. Again, with that very, very uh, serious-looking uh, cage. It wasn't it wasn't a pretend WWE uh, blue cage of death. This <laughs> felt like a like a real fight where you just thrown six men in and just let them beat the piss out of each other. So for the most part, it, it really worked for me too. It was making me think that's why they picked that venue, because I don't think that would have fitted in anywhere else, would it, really? I mean, you needed somewhere with a mega high ceiling. It barely fitted in that one that they were using, so it made me wonder if that's why they picked that venue, because so they could have that cage. But, um, but I mean, we've chatted, a, we've chatted a lot, sorry, about the imports that OTT use. I mean, and on top of the Kings of the North and Jordan Devlin, they seem to have a lot of uh, homegrown Irish talent bubbling under, who are mainly featured on their uh, Contenders monthly shows, but um, they seem to be slowly making their way onto the bigger shows. Um, L- LJ Cleary, I mean, he was um, featured here against Trent Seven. He seems to, I mean, the match was nothing to shout home about, but he seems to have tons of potential. He reminded me a, a bit of Sean Waltman, um, some fairly smooth offense, and he was pretty good on the mic at the start of the match. I mean, he coming mm. across as this incredibly cocky kid against uh, Trent Seven, and uh, well, there seems to be some uh, great young talent coming out of Ireland and slowly moving on their way onto their main OTT shows. Yeah, I thought the, the Cleary thing was really good to get him in the ring with Trent Seven, who is the undisputed uh, master of the mic mm. in Britress. Well, maybe you could dispute that with Gibson, but like he's like the swaggery, cocking <laughs> uh, guy. Um, and to put Cleary in there with him and let him go bob for bob with Seven... I thought that was a really good idea because it brings his personality out and that's what's the most important thing for a young wrestler. Like, you can teach him the basics of wrestling and, you know, have him be a fine wrestler, but if no one's interested in him and what they haven't done is saddle him with, like, a weird character straight out the bat. Instead, he's just a guy who's... He's a cocky, brash young guy who looks a bit like a member of One Direction. He's going in there with the old man, Trent Seven, and throwing Bob for Bob with him. And that's a great way of getting him like relevant experience on these big shows and they're doing the same sort of stuff on the contender shows which are a big hit with uh my irish wrestling friends um you know they're, they're always buzzing about it and they yeah <laughs> there's several more lj clearies coming down the line and i hope they get a chance to shine against um someone who's like very proven and very confident in the ring hopefully the young guys get to go in there with other guys like trent seven or maybe even trent seven himself if they bring him back over on these feature main roster shows. Yeah, I think that's what the, those contender shows are good for, isn't it? It's the, the shows that I'd like to see because they, they give a chance for people like that to, to get work. Uh, from Again, speaking to the people I know who follow OTT and get to every show, they... Those contender shows do sound like a lot of fun, and the, it sounds like they're doing a lot of good things in kind of 
these young guys who maybe aren't quite ready yet for the big main OTT shows, they're putting in them in stables, giving them a chance to develop um, and getting places on, on those cards for lots of their talent. So, yeah, that's been a bit of a criticism of OTT in the past that they maybe go a little bit too uh, import heavy, but it's good to see them, you know, investing in their future and, and using these contender shows to, uh, to good effect. I mean, OTT don't seem to be spoken about as much as, say, Red Pro or Progress, but um, definitely worth going out of your way to check out. I mean, the atmosphere is always incredible at these shows, and they always put on a, a good variety of matches. So, uh, yeah, make sure you uh, check out the VOD on Vimeo, uh, which is tons better than Pivot Share for uh, these on-demand services, as I found out by uh, watching this um, show through there. And, um, and not just that, they've got some major shows coming up. I mean, in March, they've got Outer Space Odyssey 4, which features uh, David Starr against Zack Sabre Jr. and Pete Dunne against Session Moth Martina, which uh, will be quite the contest, I imagine. And, uh, <laughs> and then in May, they've got their fourth annual Scrapamania show, which features Jeff Cobb against Tomohiro Ishii, Minoru Suzuki against Keith Lee. I mean, Benno OTT not resting on the laurels here and mapping out an even bigger 2018 than they did in 2017, aren't they? Yeah, this, the story of kind of British wrestling and Irish wrestling at the moment seems to be who can get to these dream masters, yeah. matches first. And OTT have really set the stall out just listening to that list of matches you just gave them. So, I mean, Suzuki and Keith Lee, that's something that you'd imagine a Rev Pro will be wanting to get to eventually. But hey, OTT have beat them to it. Um, and yeah, I think uh, those the fact that I think OTT have picked the, the right side and that initially we thought they were going to be aligned with WWE UK in progress. But this rev pro relationship which has bled into a new japan relationship i mean we all heard the pop in the vod when uh, they announced mm. that the ishi was going to be there and suzuki was going to be there i think it's it's really going to benefit them and, and shine a light on it, on the article <laughs> ishi and suzuki are, are better investments than joe connor's and <laughs> james drake <laughs> but yeah if you do that and then they've obviously got the zack saber jr and Devlin set up. I don't know if that's happening there or or before then, but it's a good it's a good place to to put it. Maybe I just think that yeah they've, uh, they've got things really set up well and yeah I think uh, a lot more attention will go on them. I'm certainly tempted to to maybe even make the trip out for this one. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, um, Benno brought it up there, Notley. I mean, sort of like we're seeing all these dream matches constantly come at us every mm. month. Do you think um, you know this bubble of dream matches is eventually going to burst? Well, I think uh, OTT uh, fully realise that they can't sustain this kind of stuff. Like, having Keith Lee and Mike Bailey is all well and good, and they had an amazing match, but they want, you know, <laughs> LJ Cleary versus Jordan Devlin to be their amazing match uh, mm-hmm. in five years or so, or however long it takes for them to build that solid Irish roster. You know, they want to have a thing like Progress, where they their main big stars are British or based in Britain or based in Ireland, in OTT's case. Um, you know, that, that is their ultimate goal and only bringing in the imports, you know, as as a side thing, you know, they can become part of the roster. But ultimately, the stars and the focus has to be the Irish talent. And they're, they're doing the right sort of thing, but they're not quite there yet. I think last year you kind of did see them maybe get too big for their boots and like start booking matches that they shouldn't have been doing. Um, you know, for a show like Scrapamania, they can do that. But I think... The, the core of their shows this year need to be stuff like this, a, a really good mix on their show of, you know, the, the heated feuds between, uh, you know, native guys as well as big matches from imports and that growing undercard of Irish talent, I think, is very important. This was a great mix. I, I, I really thought this show was an excellent one for them and, uh, and a great way to start 2018. Mm. Um, and OTT weren't the only promotion putting on their first big event of the year. Insane Championship Wrestling hosted their seventh annual Square Go event on the 11th of February at the ABC in Glasgow. And I mean, for you guys that are unfamiliar with the Square Go, this is headlined every year by a 30-man Royal Rumble-style match. And um, on top of this, they had the undisputed champion BT Gun taking on Bram. They had the tag team champions Ashton Smith and Rampage Brown taking on The Purge. They had uh, Session Moth Martina taking on Casey for the women's title and um, James Storm making his debut for the company against Jack Jester. And I mean, last time we checked in with ICW was for their Fear and Loathing show last year. And they seem to, last time we watched it, they seem to have taken a few steps back in terms of storyline and certainly in ring. And Ollie, how did you find this first ICW <laughs> show of 2018? 
Well, uh, I'll preface everything I say with last year's Square Go was the best ICW show I've ever seen. It had relevant matches, you know, some some good in-ring affairs. They had um, the Marauders versus... Uh, I can't remember now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that tag... Uh, Marauders versus Poly Promotions is the tag team title match. They had Kaylee Ray versus Casey in the women's match. And you can see that this show is kind of laid out quite similarly to that one. You know, they have the four title matches and then the square go, just like last year. But, I mean, just the results are just completely different. And I couldn't be... As I say, I couldn't be more positive about OTT's future after their first show of the year. After watching this show, I couldn't be more negative about ICW. And, you know... Jester versus Storm, fine for what it was. Martina versus Casey, red lightning all over the shop. BT Gun versus Bram, one of the most paint by numbers attitude era. You know, I hesitate to say rubbish, but <laughs> I mean with Bram involved, I I I shouldn't hesitate. Rubbish, <laughs> but I've uh, I've seen in quite a while, and just in this day and age when you've got matches like Keith Lee versus Mike Bailey, this sort of stuff, which feels like it belongs from 20 years ago just it, it is badly exposed and going from one show to the other comparing it is incredible and also i'm i guarantee you that the exact same shot of red lightning pulling the ref out of the ring in the women's title match <laughs> and the heavyweight title match happened it was the exact same shot the exact same motion the exact same you know setup and everything it like i couldn't believe it <laughs> I think sometimes with ICW they just have lots and lots of ideas, but it doesn't feel like there's any filter. It's just it's a continuous ball, it's rolling, and they're just like, Yeah, let's do this, let's do that, let's let's do another red lightning angle and it just kind of snowballs. I think some of it's culturally as well, just picking up on what I mean, mm. comparing it to OTT. I mean, we were a touch critical on OTT for maybe, you know, being a bit slower on the uptake of getting, you know, younger homegrown wrestlers, although yeah. you know, the the Irish scene is a much younger scene than the Scottish scene, so that's probably part of the reason there as well. And ICW do invest in in, in local wrestlers and do Definitely. get them over to this local audience, but it just doesn't always for me translate when I'm watching it. Sometimes <laughs> I kind of watching it just thinking, why why are WWE teaming up with this lot? I don't get what I was watching. I think if you're Triple H, what is it about this product that, that appeals? I mean, I know I know it's very popular, and we're going to get hate mail now from the ICW <laughs> fans. But yeah, it just I think has a show. it translates if you're Glaswegian. It, mm. But <laughs> I, just, I think one thing that's really happened in the past year is they've lost a lot of their star power. Like on this show last year, you had Drew Galloway, you had Joe Coffey, you had Grado. All those guys are gone now, and well, I, I'm not sure what Joe coffee statuses but like it just seems like the guys they've got to replace them in the main event like kenny williams and mark coffee ended the square go match and it it was just and obviously stevie boy as well who won it those three guys just don't feel like stars at all compared to the names i just listed off who were in that position last year I did feel watching the Square Go match, I was waiting for like a big star to come out, like a yeah. a Grado. Um, it was a mini Mo- You mean Moose isn't a big star? <laughs> <man>. <laughs> we did. We got Moose and Wolfgang playing like Kane Ooh. and Big Show in a rumble, squaring up to each other as the two big lads. So yeah, I shouldn't complain too much, should I? Um, I don't know. I just uh, Stevie Boy winning as well, just uh, getting straight into the finish here. I, I, I hear again a lot from people who are fans of ICW that, that Stevie Boy is this this hidden gem of a talent. Um, so willing to give it a try um, in winning a, a rumble with a, a chair shot, but that's kind of the, the whole square go thing, isn't it? With having weapons involved as well. Um, but yeah, just I kind of think when you're watching a, a, a rumble and it's Joseph Connors coming out to inject some personality, that's when you know you're on a on a bit of a loss. But yeah, I just think part a big part of it is a lot of this product isn't for me. And yeah, I mean as far as the rumble match goes, there, there were some positives. I thought Mikey Whiplash kind of carried the match selling throughout it him and Renfrew were pretty much there the entire time I thought they did a good job of building a Lionheart and Jackie Polo match if, if that's the if that's something you want to see um, and I thought I thought Henry Joe Henry kind of healing it up on the ramp came across as a as something of a star as well but yeah there's just uh, I don't know uh, I, I can't say that I'll be rushing to watch the ICW TV show, but they they did do some good things, I thought, in in this Square Go match and and set up some stories for the the people who do follow it closely. 
Yeah, because, I mean, compared to some of the stuff that we had to watch last year, and thinking of that Baromania show and certainly Fear and Loathing, this was a lot better than that. But still, it's still... I mean, I was a big fan of ICW a few years back when you were, you were Grado chasing for the title and things like that. But it's mm. still the same guys knocking around, and it just seems to be like nothing that really interesting is going on. And then I completely forgot about Kenny Williams, who seemed to be a guy who could be like, you know a big star for ICW, and then he just seemed to be shoved in the rumble and then forgotten about immediately. And it just seemed like there's nothing really that fresh. And and I know we've talked before about maybe it's, you know, it's not for us and, you know, obviously they've got a strong fan base in Glasgow. But even then, Mm -hmm. I mean, they've run the Hydro in Glasgow two years in a row, Fear and Loathing, and last year, you know, still sold pretty well, but didn't sell as much as the year before. And they haven't announced a venue for uh, Fear and Loathing this year, have they? So it, it just seems like... Most UK companies seem to be growing and growing, but ICW seem to have grown to a point, and now they're moving backwards here, I think, in terms of growth, folly. You know, I think one thing, like, they've obviously done a really good job of building Scottish wrestlers and building, like, a, a local scene, and there's Scottish wrestlers up and down this card, and that, that's great, but none of them feel like stars. And like I say, like, they've lost Galloway, they've lost Grado, who they ran that big angle with and had that, well... Yeah, I thought that the main event of that Fear and Loathing was really good between those two. The rest of the show, maybe not so much. But that was like their big moment that they'd been building to for ages and ages. And it did feel significant and it did feel cool. Um, and then since then, the momentum has been running dry. And I thought they had a chance to reinvent themselves as kind of more of a work rate promotion. Still having, you know, the the very Glaswegian stories and like having that underground vibe. Um but focusing more on the in-ring stuff, obviously they kicked out Red Lightning for about two seconds before he <laughs> had just had to come back. Um, and then they just ran through all the same stuff last year. But after last year's Square Go, they brought Red Lightning back and just everything just felt like it reverted to exactly how it was two years ago. And it's like watching WWE, it's like banging your head against the wall just repeatedly. And it, like it's a lost cause at this point for me because it's just the same thing over and over again. Red Lightning pulls a ref out of the ring. Like, that's the entirety of ICW. And no matter how many, you know, decent Scottish wrestlers they produce, you need something exciting and something headline-grabbing to really make some forward progress. And right now it is just Red Lightning pulls the ref out of a ring ad nauseum. Yeah, I think, I mean, as far as positives go as the show, I don't disagree with anything Ollie said there. But <laughs> to give some, some positives, I mean, I thought James Storm was a great fit for ICW, down to the fact that he was a, another bloke with a beard, all dressed in black. Um, he could have he been <laughs> in any one. beer and brawls in the crowd. <laughs> yeah, still love him. He could have got. He could have been in any one of the number of interchangeable stables that have come and gone from ICW over the years. I did think that Rampage Brown and Ashton Smith are an yeah, interesting team. I was going to say. They were really good as a tag team, weren't they? Mm. Yeah, they they kind of they were on the ITV World of Sports special where they looked like dad and lad. Uh, here they kind of cast Ashton as like this equal to Rampage Brown. The commentary was talking him up as being physically imposing, like they were these destructive road warriors. And I don't, yeah, I've never weird. really seen <laughs> Ashton Smith like that. I saw him again. I'm going to talk a little bit later about a PCW show he was on where he was on the opposite side to Rampage Brown and he was working a lot more comedy based. In fact, even in that match, they were threatening not to not to fight each other because they did have a big uh, ICW title tag defense mm. coming up. I enjoyed that. Um, yeah, I definitely like him as a team, but <laughs> they, they are marketed very strangely. As yeah, just really weird. Yeah, I'm uh, not sure that's the best spot for Ashton Smith, but he's a good talent, and I think he could offer something different if, yeah, they do frame them um, a little bit different there. So, yeah, that's, a, that's definitely a positive for me. I'd be interested to see what they do with them as a team. I mean, um, in Link news, Joe Hendry, who's obviously uh, an ICW regular, has announced that he'll be part of the Scottish wrestling team for the Commonwealth Games in April in Australia. So, obviously, congratulations to Joe Hendry. Always good to see, you know, somebody uh, getting some mainstream press for uh, things they're doing outside of wrestling. So, fantastic achievement. And a positive thing at that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, just moving on from there, uh, Benno, I mean, you had a massive weekend here uh, last weekend. I mean, you went to four shows, uh, Tetsujin, Preston City Wrestling, and Progress Chapter 63. So how were the shows, and what were some of the highlights from your wrestling weekend? 
yeah, uh, a lot happened. So uh, a lot to pack in here. But as a as a weekend, it was just incredible. Really, one of the best weekends of wrestling I've ever been to. Uh, Tetsujin shoot style. Me and Ollie talked about them uh, the show before last. Uh, coming back for the second show, uh, Liverpool on the Friday. Um, the first show had about fifty people at it. This show, I'd, I'd say maybe more in the hundred and fifty range. Uh, they do a knockout submission in the tradition of like Pancras or UWFI, that kind of. of and like uh, it's like a sort of thing. The yeah, that's what. Used to be on. That's exactly what Bushido was. Yeah, yeah. it was just a, a renamed version of that. So yeah, it was kind of the same thing as that. And I thought the the first tournament, the fact that there was a, a Jack Gallagher there, um, he was you know somebody who fights in legitimate MMA fights. Who you know even even down to the fact that he came out in a gi, I felt like he really grounded the first tournament. Yeah, definitely, you, you can see that first tournament some progress is on demand. Whereas this second tournament was more, it felt like there was just a lot of cool indie guys in there. Um, the fact that you know Almari's in there, I would never call him a shooter. Um, I thought Mark Haskins fit well, but again in in, in this tournament they went they keep going with Chris Brooks. He made the final the first time. And he made the final his second time as well. And I, I just don't see him as a shooter type. I would just... No. I, I think that the best example on the night, they had Zack Sabre Jr. and David Starr, Super Fight, which wasn't part of the tournament, but was the ideal you know, showcase for this type of match with hard hits and big lariats. And I just don't... Brooks, just as much as I like him, I just don't see him in this role. And fair play, they, they put Ridgeway over him in the final. They set up a, a bit of a story there that Chris Brooks has now been the runner-up twice at Tetsujin. And obviously Ridgeway is quite hot right now, so he's as good a choice as anybody to, to give the win. Uh, but yeah, it felt like a, a much different Tetsujin than the, the first time out. Uh, some of the people I spoke to live did enjoy this one a little bit more. Maybe we knew a bit more what to expect. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's an interesting little concept, and be uh, interesting to see if they do come back and do a third show and maybe pay off that that Chris Brooks story or continue uh, getting behind uh, Ridgeway. I mean, just uh, to cut in there, Benno. I mean, just before I move on to uh, Preston City in progress. I mean, does Tetsujin appeal to you, Ollie? Yeah, I watched her first show a couple of years ago, um, and I did really enjoy it. It was a little bit awkward to start out with because the crowd didn't really know how to really react to it but i think as the show went on people started to kind of understand it a bit more i thought the walter versus tommy n match uh was really good and really fun yeah and like um it's kind of the same thing wxw doing ambition at the 16 carat weekend as well and we'll talk about that in in a few weeks time as well and uh kind of focusing on that shoot style and i think um it, it probably won't ever be, like, a permanent style. I don't think there'll ever be a promotion that runs regularly. Like, I think it's good as, like, a once-every-few once months kind of tournament thing. Uh, I think Tetsujin should do that, definitely, and that would be cool. Um, but I think it's important to sort of ground wrestling down a bit more because a lot of the times, you know, the high spots become the flashy stuff and what everyone wants to see. Sometimes it's very important to sort of re-educate the fans and make sure that they know that every strike and every hold does can and does matter. And these kind of shows does kind of reposition that into everyone sort of pays a lot more attention to what goes on on the ground and like the minutiae of it. And I think it's it, it it's it's quite cool that they do that, and I think more wrestlers should look into that rather than just going for all the crazy flippy stuff. <laughs> Sorry if that makes me sound like an old timer. <laughs> <laughs> yep, uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd probably say I mean, I'm looking forward to the VOD coming out. They haven't announced uh, any kind of date for that yet, but part of it being there live is once you're not in the first couple of rows, it is hard to see. So a lot of that great groundwork that Ollie just mentioned, you can't always make out live. So I think that'll come yeah. up better on the VOD. Um, because, yeah, live, a lot of the, the big strikes, there was a point where Travis Banks came off the second rope, which a lot of people weren't happy with. Mm. <laughs> uh, but that got one of the biggest yeah. reactions of the night because everyone could see it and it was an easy spot to react to. But like Ollie said, I think maybe you need to retrain audiences a little bit. And I think the VOD will probably be the, the best way to, mm. to experience it. Uh, moving on, yeah, also that weekend, uh, after going to Test Huge on the Friday, I went to PCW on the Saturday. Um, I haven't been to PCW in a little while, um, but you should have seen it. It was like the glory days of 2011. It was uh, a packed uh, evoke for, for PCW. I've not seen it that busy in quite a time. Uh, a big part of it was the fact that Apollo Crews was coming back. There was some kind of dealing done with the, the council of, of Preston. To, uh, I think uh, PCW have a venue that WWE want to use. I think that's what... 
Dave Meltzer put in the Observer. So the trade was they got to see Apollo Crews. And for his part, he was very happy to be there for PCW. There were two tournaments, a singles and a tag Road to Glory tournament. He was in the singles tournament. He made it all, all the way to the final, which I thought was a bit too much, uh, even on the way, stopping to have a match against Moose, which, would you believe it, was WWE versus TNA, if those things really uh, matter anymore. Um, but yeah, he put over Dean Ormark in the final, um, that younger upstart Dean Ormark. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, but, but, I mean, all jokes aside, Ormark is quite beloved in PCW, and it was a great, great singles tournament. I really enjoyed it. Um, I think uh, PCW is kind of a it's very much a variety show. That's the word I've heard a lot of people describe the, these shows as on this day. They're very they're family friendly, but at the same time, they'll have a match like they'll, they had the Zack Sabre Jr. versus Matt Riddle match on this show, which was uh, sweet science, just an absolutely awesome match, kind of something for everyone. Um, so, yeah, I think I kind of I walked away from PCW on this day much more positive than, than i've been in the past um that was it as far as the single side of things went um as far as the tag team tournament went uh, i can't uh, talk even briefly about the show without mentioning sugar dunkerton uh, who got over hugely with a version of his of the sugar sugar by the archies song uh, dedicated to him uh he was like a, a local hero impressed and partying off into the night um him and him and matt brooks were really impressive matt brooks does a, does an opera gimmick um he's really good um, but yeah, also in the tag team tournaments, um, uh, Big T and, and Tal Bannon were, were an impressive little big man, little man team. And as I mentioned, uh, there was a really great tag team match where Charlie Sterling um, was teaming up with Ashton Smith against Rampage and T-Bone, which is probably one of my highlights of the weekend. A very comedy-based match um, where you got to see uh, maybe the, the lighter side of a uh, Rampage and T-Bone that you, you don't always get to see. But again, it was... It was a long day, um, and I've touched on a lot of things there. There were, there were two tournaments, two shows, but at no point did I feel exhausted. It was just a, a really good day of action from PCW and a good advert. I think it was a, a shot window here being sandwiched on the Saturday between Tetsujin and, and Progress on the Sunday that made a lot of people like myself who, who don't get to PCW very often uh, come and check them out. And yeah, it may be positive and think that uh, maybe I will go back. Yeah, um, they love their uh, double shots, don't they, PCW? I mean, usually they run it into the Sunday as well, don't they? Maybe have three or four shows. And uh, it's worth noting there that uh, PCW were quite high on getting Apollo Crews. I mean, people who've never heard of PCW before might be like, why do you want Apollo Crews out of all the WWE wrestlers? But he was he featured <laughs> quite a lot, didn't he, as Uha Nation, yeah. his previous incarnation, and was you know really over with the uh, Preston City Wrestling fans. So, yeah, it's... Good to make a comeback there. Um, yeah, and sorry, anyway, Progress Chapter 63 was your last show of the weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, that's kind of, that was on the big one of the weekend, Progress. There was, I mean, I'll just go through generally when this comes out on VOD. I, I don't think it's out yet. Uh, John Briley, the Progress owner, I believe he's on his holidays, so I think we're going to be waiting until next week for that to come out. Uh, but if you get the chance, everybody should be te- checking out the uh, Walter and Mark Davis match. Um, we talked a lot about uh, Walter and the Tim Thatcher match on our last show. This was very similar, very hard-hitting. Davis was more of an underdog than Thatcher was, but my God, the state of his chest. Um, you've probably seen the images on Twitter the absolute state of his bleeding bruised chest from the chops of Walter but in real life it was just something else so once Walter actually beat him it, it almost felt like a mercy killing uh, we were all just feeling so bad for Mark Davis um, I felt bad in some ways because Mark Davis he, he's known for his hard strikes but he was just very much outdone by by Walter here but hey maybe we'll get to see a big rematch in the in the future with them and uh, make it, maybe that's a, a good story that the progress could tell um, elsewhere on the show is Xavier Jr. and Tyler Bate. That's another the match that I'd say people to check out on the VOD. Similar to the Travis Banks match that we talked about earlier. Um, just again, a very realistic, technical-based match that got uh, the audience up on its feet on on more than one occasion throughout it. And again, Zack Sabre winning with one of his weird submissions. You mentioned earlier, Martin, about what you call it. I called it the, the weird cattle mutilation octopusy thing. That's what I've called it in my notes. Uh, but that's another match to check out. Um, as far as big news goes coming out of the Progress show, uh, I suppose maybe we'll get to talk about this a bit more on our next show, but they announced that Jack Sexsmith uh, was going to be challenging Travis Banks on the big Manchester Victoria Warehouse show that they've got coming up. It's a 2000-seat a building. Um, 
Jack Smith came out and announced this himself, um, that he was going to be challenging Travis Banks because he won the multi-man. I don't know if you remember when we were in Sheffield, Martin. I'd certainly forgotten he won yeah. the, uh, <laughs> the multi-man match. Apparently, you get a world title shot out of that. <laughs> I'm not so sure on that um, with Jack Sexsmith. I just think he's just been so stop-start in progress the last mm. year or so that to expect him to headline this big Manchester show, unless they've got something else up their sleeve, it's a bit of a, a strange decision for me. I mean, Ollie, what do you think about uh, Jack Sexsmith getting a title shot at the big Manchester show? Yeah, like you say, it's a bit out of the blue, and like I don't even remember <laughs> when they said, "Oh, he's cashing in his opportunity." I'm like, "Uh, okay," <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a weird one. I hope they build to it really, really well because when they built to his match versus Zach Gibson at yeah. Strong Style last year, that really came off really well and was a big moment for them last year. Um, but right now, like, <laughs> I. I I really don't know what to think of it, but we'll see. We'll give it some time, give it some build, and see what they do. But yeah, it's just a bit odd. But there is, there are so many ways to get a title shot, and there are so many title matches mm-hmm. that it doesn't really feel that significant. But a guy gets a shot at the big title. It just, yeah, it feels a bit like a revolving door right now. They may want to be more selective with their title matches, especially since Walter's such a good Atlas champion anyway. So when they have him, they maybe don't need a progress title match. Keep it special. Yeah. Well, that's I the mean, main thing coming out of it, isn't it? I mean, when when you've got Walter having all these amazing matches already in 2018, then I suppose the rest of the card, uh, you know, you want it to be good, but I suppose uh, there's less worry that they're uh, messing things up because this title shot thing, I mean, it, it it's like you just noted there earlier. I mean, it doesn't even matter if you win a tournament or win a match to get a title shot because it just seems like they throw them out willy-nilly anyway, I, I feel here, Benno. Yeah, I mean, on this night, Chris Brooks and TK Cooper, who both lost to Travis Banks recently, were in the main event in a three-way. And TK Cooper, I can't remember. You know, he hasn't got much of a storied singles history in progress, but he gets a title shot. Uh, it's <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they're doing... I mean, the best example of it is they're doing two Thunderbusters this year, and mm. I'd expect both of the winners of those two matches are going to be getting title shots, one in the UK and one in the US. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I mean, as far as the progress world title scene goes, just one last note on the show. Yeah, Travis Banks did beat Chris Brooks and TK Cooper. He carried on this weird story of Travis Banks kind of almost getting booed by the, the progress crowd. There was quite a lot, a loud blue when he won here because his two best mates, Chris Brooks and TK Cooper, are both constantly trying to cheat to beat him. And Travis Banks again and again is shaking the hands at the end of the match and, and being the nice guy. Um, we seem to be long removed from the, that great, this great Travis Banks run we were getting as world champion. We're now very firmly in You say long removed, it feels like it was only like a couple of months ago that it was happening. And it seems like they've Just messed up already. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not really that confident on his title reign going forward. I think they just need to, to turn one of Brooks or Cooper, mm-hmm. I think. this Watching this three-way in person was just, and seeing the reaction Travis Banks was starting to get from certain sections of the crowd just made me think everyone needs to maybe be realigned in this story if they're going to continue on down this road. Yeah, it's certainly an interesting one. Obviously, progress are getting bigger and bigger, but it seems like the stuff that we were fans of, we seem to be more removed from it than ever <laughs> before. I suppose Walter's saving it with these uh, massive main events that he's putting on. But uh, other than that, it's it, yeah, I, see, I seem to be less interested in progress the bigger that they get, if that makes sense, Ollie. Well, yeah, obviously, well, their whole identity is kind of the underground cool promotion. And like I feel like it was last year, about this time last year, when they lost um, their music. Um, and and had to re- result to the hot tag media stuff, um, and it that that did come with a bit of a loss of identity. I think they're still trying to find and nail down like a certain identity, and right now it does feel a bit listless. I'm not sure. Like I am still enjoying the shows, and like you say, the Walter matches are doing well. It, there's a, not a lot to sink your teeth into right now, though, and it kind of shows with that main event stuff with you know Cooper. Yeah, what have they done with the the power couple act, which was so cool and had so much momentum, and now Cooper just feels like a guy, but he's still getting title matches, and he, you know he's lost his girlfriend, <laughs> who was such a big star and such a big part of that act as well, mm-hmm. and you know it's kind of a shame that that identity is kind of lost because they were sort of the last vestiges of that cool underground style that they had, and now I'm not sure who really represents it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't know. They sort of need to go back to the drawing board a little bit to <laughs> really find an identity. Sorry, Benno. Think, no, it's okay. I was just going to say, I think right now they're, they're coasting on big, the big matches. And one thing I, I don't want to get lost in the conversation is as much as I've got criticism of the story storyline book in here, there were the Walter Mark Davis match, the Zack Sabre Tyler Bate match, and there was a tag match with Pete Dunne and Trent Seven against David Starr and Matt Riddle. Three matches as good as anything you'll see on any show. So I'd still tell people to go out and watch this VOD because from an in-ring perspective, it was one probably the best Manchester show ever and one of the better progress shows ever. It's just, it's all this other stuff that you just mentioned. This kind of uh, breeds some of the, the negativity that maybe some of us have, have got towards progress at the moment. And yeah, you can only get, get by on these big matches for so long when you've got so many other promotions uh, booking a lot of the same guys. I mean, uh, final piece before we get out of here. Uh, while you were having your big uh, weekender in the uh, Northwest, uh, Ben, I was checking out Riptide Wrestling, the promotion that was set up last year and based in Brighton in the southwest of the UK. They've been making some uh, waves, if you excuse the awful pun there. I mean, putting on <laughs> some uh, really well-reviewed shows featuring the cream of the UK scene. And um, what's really brought them to my attention is the way the show was filmed. I, I've kept, I followed them on Twitter and noticed they were putting up a, a number of clips on there. And it's quite different to most of the wrestling shows. It's uh, very cinematic with this roaming camera that makes uh, for quite a unique experience. And they recently uploaded a Travis Banks against Speedball Mike Bailey from their Deep Six event on YouTube for free. And I thought this was a really great, fantastic match and a great introduction uh, to the promotion. Uh, certainly a promotion I'll be keeping my eyes on. I mean, uh, Benno, have you had the chance to check out much from Riptide? Just this match so far, um, but I was the same as you. I was blown away. I mean, I've seen all the gifts on Twitter, and the production looks incredible. That venue looks incredible. Those those big those big windows and mm. the, the great lighting. Um, we even got a, a great strike exchange, didn't we, on the windows from Travis Banks and uh, and Speedball in that match as well. Kind of feels like you're watching a bit of a, an epic movie uh, at times. Uh, although I would say, from watching this one match, the only negative start is once you get that one knobhead fan in the venue cracking jokes and making shouts, which there was a couple of times in this oh, match. Yeah. You can really really hear them and it really takes you out of it but yet they're really providing something quite different and it takes something to we've talked throughout the show about uh, wrestlers and dream matches happening in so many promotions it takes something different to stand out from the crowd and yeah they certainly stood out for me i'd implore people to check this particular match out on youtube and yeah i'll be looking to to see more of them on vod and they're a relatively young promotion but yeah they're definitely uh, getting some attention at the moment i mean uh, just before we get out of here you could follow me on twitter at bushby01 you can follow me on Twitter at another Ollie. And you can follow me on Twitter at Benson Richard E. And uh, be sure to head over to postwrestling.com, check out all the rest of the shows, and of course, uh, Post Wrestling Forum, leave us your feedback for this week's show. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. We'll be back on the 8th of March talking Fight Club Pro's upcoming a tribute to Francois Trebek. Progress Chapter 64th Under Bastards are go, and uh, all the latest from the British wrestling scene. <laughs>